Well, good morning, friends. I also want to welcome you. If we have not met, my name is David. And if you brought your Bible with you, I'm going to encourage you to open that to Ephesians chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, we have Blue Bibles here in our worship spaces, and you can find Ephesians chapter 4 on page 1819 in those Bibles uh, that we have here for you. Before we dive in today, I want to share one word of announcement about an important gathering that we have coming up, not this Sunday, not this afternoon, but next Sunday, 3 p.m in our chapel. For many of you uh, are aware that over the course of many years, we've been preparing uh, for a multi-phase project to expand and enhance our ministry campus. Uh, and we're having a gathering next Sunday that we refer to as Church Conference, uh, where we're going to be updating our entire church on uh, pricing plans and, and timelines for those phases. Uh, and we're also going to have the chance to take action on moving forward with phase one. So the really good news is we are close to moving dirt. Uh, so can I get an amen for that? Amen. We're going to move some dirt. So I uh, would love for you to be there next, uh, next Sunday. Everyone's invited to attend. Uh, all members have the chance to vote. So uh, be aware of that uh, important gathering coming up uh, next Sunday afternoon. Uh, as you can tell, this series is inspired by the life of Fred Rogers, who was the creator and host of the children's show, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And last week in describing for you the, the goal of this series, uh, I, I shared it this way, that while, while the model of the Christian life is Christ, uh, Christ and his life is, is the mold to which uh, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, we are, we are seeking to, to mold ourselves according to the way that he lived, uh, the love, grace, everything that he shared in his life, that as we think about moving forward in that, taking next steps to, grow, to growing more like Jesus, uh, it's often the way that we see that in another's lived experience that helps us wrap our heads around what that looks like in our life. So we experience Christ in a relationship with someone else, someone whose faith we respect, whose wisdom we look to, and, and we see the way in which Jesus has changed their life. And again, it gives us a sense of, well, that's what it would look like for me to take a next step. Or, or we look at the life or the legacy of another person, the way in which God used them and transformed them and, and blessed others through their life. And in doing so, again, we, we can see where we might grow and how we might change. And so this series is about being inspired by the legacy of a life well lived, a, a Presbyterian minister who over the course of his 33 years of ministry uh, lived that out uh, through his work on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And, and in thinking about the why of this series, uh, I shared with you my conviction that we are living in a culture of despair. And that, that part of why we're seeking to be inspired is because we need it. That it's a big deal when the people of hope lose hope because we are meant to be bearers of hope for the world. We are meant to be those who hold hope for others when they feel it slipping through their fingers. There's a calling that we have, Jesus says, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And so we need the inspiration in a time of despair and, and divisiveness to remember who we are as people of hope. Uh, so with that thought in mind of what the series is, is all about, uh, today what I want to do is to focus uh, on uh, some big picture thoughts and, and how, they, uh, how they look in our lives. So the challenge last week that I gave you for a brand new year is that you would live it with the conviction that Jesus is Lord and Christ is King. 
And that out of that conviction, you would live with the understanding that if Christ is king and Jesus is Lord, that there are certain behaviors that are meant to be lived out in your life, that love and humility and gentleness and kindness, these are not just suggestions for a more fruitful and healthy and happy life, but they're the expectations of anyone who seeks to live according to the idea that Jesus is Lord and Christ is King and that in a culture of despair and divisiveness that we, uh, we remember we have a responsibility to, to, to pursue unity and to maintain unity, not as an expression of agreement with one another, but out of our conviction to love one another. With those thoughts, we're going to focus today more specifically on a specific category of our life, which is the words that we speak over the lives of others. Proverbs 18 says this, that the tongue has the power of life and death. Just think about that for a moment. The tongue, the words that we speak have the power of life, the power of death. What that means is the phrase that you've heard over the course of your life that sticks and stones may break my bones, that words will never hurt me, it means that that's not true. That your words have the capacity to both bring life and to destroy life. Your words have the capacity to do incredible good, and your words have the capacity to do incredible harm. And so we're going to look at that through a singular verse of Scripture in Ephesians 4. I'm going to share with you how that was expressed in the life of Fred Rogers through uh, this book, I'm Proud of You, My Friendship with Fred Rogers, uh, by Tim Madigan. Uh, Tim developed a relationship with Fred while he was writing a piece for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram about him. And over the course of many years, uh, uh, they they developed a deep friendship, and I'll share more about that in just a moment, Uh, but then also looking at how that applies in our own life today. So first... Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I want to invite you to read that with me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do you think for a minute about the process that, that Paul is addressing here? What he's saying is, do not let anything that is unwholesome, unhelpful, unloving, uncaring, lacking in grace, that is a thought in your head or an attitude of your heart, do not let those things come out of your mouth. Do not let those things be words that are spoken with with your lips. And at the same time, those things that begin in your head or are a feeling in your heart that are wholesome, that are healthy, that are good and loving and filled with grace, make sure that those things are, are the things that travel from here or here to come out here to be spoken uh, over others. Notice that Paul is specifically talking about the words that we speak, and he's offering uh, uh, both a restriction and a word of instruction about the words that we share with one another. In other words, there are things that we absolutely should say, and there are things that we absolutely shouldn't say. There are things that begin as a thought, They're a feeling in our heart, and and they don't need to make that journey to our mouth. But there are other things that 
reside in our head or we feel in our heart, and, and we are at times uh, tempted to simply leave them there, and they need to make the journey to, to be those things that are spoken, uh, spoken by us, that they're words that we speak in, into the lives of others. It's, it's about our words. It's about the things that we say and the things that we choose not to say. Some of you heard me uh, talk before about an event we did last March in partnership with a ministry called Pure Adventure. It was a one-day event for preteen and teenage sons to share with their, with their dads. Uh, we're going to do this again this coming March, uh, uh, if you're interested in it. Let me tell you a little bit more about what that day is. It's a, a day filled with fun outdoor activities. So any, any son in that age group it loves the opportunity to shoot their father with a paintball gun. I mean, that's just, that's a lot of fun. We do lots of things like that. But the, the whole event is focused towards a very simple and profound moment that happens at the very end of the day. And here's what happens uh, in groups of, of eight to 10 pairs, fathers and sons, uh, they gather together in a circle. And one by one, a father and a son step to the center of that circle and, and, and that son, surrounded by his peers and, and other dads, has the opportunity to hear their dad speak a word of blessing over them. And the dads are prepared for this. They're told at the beginning of the day that this is going to happen. And, and what they're told is, you, you can say whatever you want, but there are a few words that you absolutely have to say. We will not let you out of the center of the circle until you say these words. You have to say, I love you, you are my son, I am proud of you. That's what you have to say. You have to speak over your son the same words that God the Father speaks over Jesus at his baptism. You have to say, I love you, you are my son, and I am proud of you. So this last spring, we had this event, and, and in the circle that I was a part of, as we began, a, a father, uh, no, it wasn't a father, it was a son who volunteered his dad first, which is kind of funny. So they stepped to the center of the circle. And, and a father shared words of blessing over his son. The second pair, uh, it was the father who volunteered to step to the center. And again, he, he, he went there and he, he spoke words of blessing over his son. But here's what I thought was incredible. So moving to me about this moment is, is that beginning with the third pair, the rest of the sons who were in that group, they had figured out what was going on, what was happening, what that, meant, what that moment was, was all about. And beginning with the third pair through all of the rest of the fathers and sons who were in that circle, it was the sons who were grabbing their father's arms and pulling them into the center of that circle. Because again, they'd figured out what was happening. They knew what this moment really was. And it was sons who, who were dragging their fathers into the, into the middle of that circle because they wanted to hear their father's blessing. My son was one of those kids. My son who doesn't like being the center of attention. And I was shocked when he grabbed my arm and he pulled me to the center of that circle because like every other son, he wanted to hear those words from his dad. 
It's about a month after that, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, and I was telling him about this event and, and encouraging him to, to be a part of, of this, to, to bring people, uh, to bring some fathers and sons uh, from his church uh, to work with Pure Adventure or join us in the one that we're having uh, coming up in March. And, and, and the next week, he, he sent me this book. This is really where this series began last April. He sent me this book and, and he sent it with this note. He said, Dear David, I always enjoy having some time together uh, to catch up, to encourage one another. I've thought a lot about your retreat with Jack and the need to speak these words over our children, especially our sons. And so when I got home on Tuesday, JJ and Lydia, his two kids, they were already in bed, but I went up immediately to speak those words over them and they just listened and they smiled. As you told your story, I couldn't help but think of this book. I hope this blesses you as much as it has me. So again, this, this book is uh, Tim's expression of his friendship with, with Fred Rogers. And over the course of many years, that friendship was mostly lived out in the letters that they would write back and forth. He shares many of those letters in the book. Um, and, and that was scattered among the, the opportunities they had over the course of those years to, to reconnect in person. Uh, but let me just, as an aside, again, the book is called I'm Proud of You, My Friendship with Fred Rogers. The author is Tim Madigan. This is available for $14.99 on Amazon, okay? If you're a Prime member, you get free two-day shipping. I'm telling you all this because my challenge to our church this weekend is I don't know how many are on the shelves at Amazon but I, I want us to buy them all out by the end of the week, okay? I want you to buy this book. And let me tell you why I want you to buy this book. Number one, it will bless you. It will be a blessing to you. Uh, you. You will appreciate that you spent the time reading this book. Now, I know what some of you say. You say to me, well, I, I don't really read. And my response to you is, well, can you read? If you can, then, then, then you should. This is very short. It's got wide margins. You'll love the book. It will bless you. <laughs> but here's the other reason. Hear this. This is a book that someone else in your life needs to read too. They'll be blessed by it. They'll be blessed by reading it, but they need to receive it as a gift from you. They need to receive it as a gift from you because they'll be more likely to read it. But in reading it, they will know that you read it and in your reading of it, you thought of them. And you knew that it would be a blessing to them. So that's just an aside. Go buy the book. Let's, let's break Amazon if we can. Uh, but let me just read to you uh, one exchange uh, between Tim and Fred uh, in the letters that they wrote, again, over the course of, of many years. Uh, Tim writes, the last several years have been a very profound time of intense personal pain and great healing, a time of great self-discovery as I've tried to come to terms with the reality of my life, both past and present. At the forefront of my mind and soul right now is how hard I tried to get my dad to be proud of me. But no matter what I did, it never seemed to be enough. I could never wrest from him the love and sense of acceptance that I so desperately craved as a child, and I have been craving ever since. He continues later on, there are several men older than me who have become very important in my life, and one by one I plan to ask them this question, will you be proud of me? In your letters and during our brief time together in Pittsburgh, you have done so much to teach me how to be a person and a man, 
And now I have this favor to ask of you. Will you be proud of me? After receiving Tim's letter, Fred responded in this way. Dear Tim, the answer to your question is yes. A resounding yes. I will be proud of you. I am proud of you. I have been proud of you since first we met. Nothing you could tell me could change my yes for you. I feel blessed to be one of your friends. Yes, Tim, yes. Love, Fred. Every once in a while, I get asked what I think is a somewhat strange question. I get asked, what should I call you? How should I refer to you? Should I, should I call you Reverend Alexander? Well, what should I say? And I, I say, well, you can call me anything. I hope it's something nice. But what most, how most people refer to me is Pastor David. And I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate that because, number one, I'm not a very formal person. You've, if you've known me for any length of time, you've probably figured that out. Uh, I, I'm not a very formal person. I understand uh, what that means, and I don't have any problem re- referring to someone else with a, a formal, formal title or recognition. But, but it, when I hear it in relationship to me, and someone says, Reverend Alexander, I look around for my dad. I, I'm like, that, that's not... That's one reason, but the other is because that's, that's how I see myself. When someone refers to me as Pastor David, that's, that's, that's who I am. That's how I understand my life and my role and, and my calling. I see myself as a pastor. And let me just tell you exactly what I mean by that. That word pastor comes from the word shepherd. And a shepherd's job is to take care of the sheep. A shepherd's job is to, is to lead and guide and, and, and protect the sheep and, and, and lead them to, to life-giving things. And, and the capacity of a shepherd to do that on behalf of the sheep is directly correlated to how well the shepherd knows the sheep and how much the sheep trust the shepherd. In other words, this whole idea of shepherding is born out of a sense of relationship. Again, the capacity to which uh, someone knows another and another trusts the, the shepherd who, who trusts, trusts the pastor. And if you look in the scriptures, there, there's another role that we see in, in the life of Israel, but we also see as, as a role that is affirmed as necessary uh, within the New Testament church, and that role is the role of a prophet. Now, a prophet is not someone who predicts the future. This is not Nostradamus here, but a prophet is someone who paints a picture of the future or who describes a current reality that is perhaps unacknowledged. And the prophet does so in order to challenge or at times rebuke a particular person or a group of people uh, for the purpose of creating change. And, I, and in the, in someone who is called to be a prophet, and, and, and there are those who are called to the ministry of being a prophet, I, I firmly believe that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a prophet. He was, a, he was a minister, he was a pastor, but he was, he was specifically called to the ministry of being a prophet. And, and the, the fruit of his life was born out of that role and that understanding of himself, that he was a prophet. And, and there's crossover here, because in, in the ministry of a prophet, they are often called to speak a pastoral word. 
And in the ministry of a pastor, you're often called, uh, or at least sometimes called to speak a prophetic word. But there's a difference between the two roles, a pastor and a prophet. And here's why I tell you this, because every once in a while, or I should say on a fairly consistent basis, people tell me things that they think I should say. They have helpful suggestions to me of something that they believe that others need to hear. And they often express it like this, they need to hear you say this, you need to express this, express this to others, there's something that they need to hear. And every once in a while, they're absolutely right, that there is something that as a pastor, I need to say that may venture into the realm of, of a prophetic word or a challenging word, but as a pastor, what you recognize is that anytime you do something like that, you risk the relationship. But sometimes it's worth risking a relationship over a word that needs to be shared. Sometimes they're right. But oftentimes, here, here's, here's what's happening. Someone's asking me to be something that I'm not. They're asking me to be someone that I'm not. They're asking me to use my voice as a pastor to speak their prophetic word. They're, they're, they're asking me to do something that they are absolutely convinced will be helpful. And my sense is it will instead be harmful. And, and so this is, this is the tension that I live in and I will acknowledge to you, I will confess to you, that over the course of my pastoral ministry, there have been opportunities that I have missed where I should have spoken and I didn't. And there have been moments when I have misspoken. Moments when I spoke and I, I shouldn't have. I should have remained silent or, or at, at the very least, it was an opportunity for me not to speak, but, but an opportunity for me to pause and to listen. So understand and hear the tension in that. But I mention all of this just to tag on to the end of this message, this notion that I believe that we are living in an age of aspiring or we might even say armchair prophets. Where we in this age are more committed to our causes than we are to Christ. Where we fill our worlds and our lives with way too much noise and not enough silence. Where winning has become more important than loving. And where our desire to to defeat one another has grown stronger than our impulse to love one another. We live in a world today where it is too easy. There's too many resources that enable us in this. It's too easy for us to distance ourselves from one another. And when we distance ourselves from one another, we pull back from the very relationships that enable us to know when we need to speak, when we need to be silent. And when we just need to be someone who's willing to listen. And in an age of, a, of aspiring and armchair prophets, if there's anything that, that you find inspiring about the life of Fred Rogers, my guess is it's this, that there is this recognition that in an age of despair and divisiveness that, 
that we need more pastors. We need more pastors. And I don't, I don't mean those who are going to go to seminary and, and enter into ordained pastoral ministry. That may be, for some of you, that may be the calling that God has on your life. And you haven't said yes to that yet, but you will. But I mean the recognition that you have that your family needs a pastor. And maybe right now you're thinking, my workplace needs a pastor. The friends that I have in my life, they need a pastor. The people who live on my street, my neighbors, they need a pastor. And maybe you've been looking around. And what God has been saying to you is, no, it's you. You need to be their pastor. You need to be the pastor for your family. The pastor for your workplace, for your neighbors, for for the people who you interact with on an everyday basis. Because they, they, it's very likely that they don't need another prophet who, who is speaking about their particular cause. They need a pastor who, who understands this idea that the tongue has the power of both life and death. And you have the capacity, you have the, the, the great opportunity in numerous ways every single day to be a person who speaks life, who speaks a word of life. So perhaps today, you may be thinking to yourself that there are words that you have said or you are saying that you need to stop saying. Things that are thoughts in your head and their feelings in your heart and, and and you have too easily allowed them to make that journey to your mouth. And, and those are the words that you need to not say. But maybe today, you might be thinking about someone else in your life who needs to hear a word of life for, from you. And for many of us, I know it's, hey, it's a thought in our heads and we feel in our heart but for some reason, we've not allowed that journey to happen. And it needs to happen. That what, what resides in here, that word of life, that, that loving, caring uh, word that is covered with grace that, that we feel and we know, we need to say it. We need to speak it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to give it to others in our life as a gift recognizing that that word is a word of life and it's a word that brings life. So as we think about this new year and all the different ways that we can live out these convictions that we talk about, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to be a pastor. I wanna challenge you to feel the weight of your words, the capacity of your words, the, the acknowledgement that there are things that we probably need to stop saying but just as important are the things that we need to start speaking into the lives of others. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we are grateful that any word of life that we might speak is a word that you have already spoken over us. That you declare and you remind us that we belong to you, 
that you created us, you have shaped us, we are your sons and daughters, that you love us with an inexpressible, an unbelievable love, a love that is filled with pride and joy regardless of what decisions we have made along the way. There's times, Lord, we've wandered from the path and caused ourselves and others harm. Those moments where we have stayed true to the path and, and not only brought life into our lives but into the lives of others, that in all, in all of those circumstances, Lord, you again and again are saying yes, yes, yes. Enable us, Lord, to speak those words of affirmation over, over the people that you have given us the great opportunity to share life with. Help us feel the weight. Help us, Lord, to know the power of the words that we speak. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.